Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sports. I'm your host, Richard Pereira, and joining me today is sports editor Cameron Priester and staff writer Zachary Watts. Hey, guys, how's it been going for you throughout this past week? Uh, all is well, you know, uh, FAU sports doing well in general, you know, a lot of stuff to talk about on the men's basketball side of things, women's basketball doing well as well. But, you know, we're nearing the end in our national sports in terms of football, so we don't have much left to talk about in that regard. But we are getting into the swing of things with baseball season just around the corner. So I'm excited to get in, into that as well. Yeah, um, I'm doing well. Um, like you said, a lot of good FAU stuff to talk about. And yeah, unfortunately, um, only, only a handful of uh, football left. So that sucks, but ready to talk about it. Yeah, we're going to start off with men's basketball as they keep their program record winning streak alive at 20 games as they took out Middle Tennessee 85-67 in the blowout that, uh, on January 26th on Thursday. And then two days later on January 28th, a beat Western Kentucky 70-63. to Not only is this a 20-game winning streak for the team, this is also their – they also have an ongoing winning streak at home of 14 games. The current record is 15 when it comes to winning uh, consecutive games at home. So they're just two games away from breaking the mark, just one from tying. So it's definitely going to be very interesting to see um, whether they break that record or not heading into February. Uh, they have to wait for a little bit until February 9 to play their next home game. But, you know, very good wins for these guys. And I want to know your guys' thoughts because they did increase their ranking in the AP Top 25 to 19th. And in the coaches poll, they went from 24th to 20th. So a lot of pretty good jumps for the team at the moment. Yeah. Um, just want to say I was right about where we would stand after the next uh, updated rankings, which was at 19th. It's good to see us finally breaking that top 20 spot. You know, usually when we um, meet together and discuss how we done it's usually in terms of the offensive efficiency how well we play with the bench depth and how we have so many guys rotating in and out they're just able to make an immediate impact with coming into the game and that is a real testament to just how well coach dusty may has gotten everyone ready uh this season but i think one thing that i really picked up on these past couple of games that i hadn't really called out before is just how well of suffocating defense we play i mean full court pressure throughout the games. I mean, it feels like no matter who we're up against, we don't back down from a challenge. Uh, the Western Kentucky game, you know, in terms of our offensive efficiency and output, it didn't feel like one of our most strongest performances. It didn't feel like we were on, it didn't feel like we were on our game necessarily the entire time, but we were still able to pull out a win. And when you can do it, given those circumstances, that's just incredible. It just goes to show that even on our worst nights or when we're not playing perfect we we still have the ability to win games um you know as we start to near conference championship or the conference tournament play um you kind of want to see tougher opponents just to see where you really stand moving into it but i mean at this point i feel fully confident where we are as a team um there's really no glaring issues or things that i feel could hinder them from making a decent or even good run not only from the conference conference tournament run but even when we get down to march madness so um, I'll try not to look too far ahead, even though, you know, when you have a team this good, it's really hard not to, because I mean, you're just so excited about the future. 
But for now, we're playing extremely good basketball, very complimentary basketball, and I couldn't be happier watching. Yeah, it's like we talk about, we say the same things like every week, just how good this team is, how awesome. But cracking the top 20, like at this point in the season, I think is like a lot huger than people are making it out to be. Because, you know, just a, a school like FAU appearing in the, like in the top 25, like once, that's one thing. But to be one of like, solidly like there is no doubt like anymore we FAU is solidly one of the better basketball teams in the country so it's it's just huge for the university looking at um Western Kentucky like you said it, we didn't it wasn't one of our best offensive games but they were really able to like uh lean on like defense and out rebounding um Western Kentucky which after the game both Dusty and I think it was uh John Carlo Rosado spoke to like when they're not scoring that's what they rely on is like rebounding and playing that like suffocating defense not letting not letting teams score but um looking ahead to UAB this is going to be one of the tougher tests of the year UAB is probably one of the best teams that they've seen all year and going on the road against them is just a tough ask but um as long as they can you know just keep up the same things shoot the ball well keep up the same defense um like it's it, I'm sold. I'm sold on this team. They can make the run. They are one of the best mid-major teams. Um, it's just awesome to see. Let's. I hope they keep it going against UAB. Yeah, for sure. And um, as you said, Cameron, they will head out to Birmingham, Alabama, to take on UAB on Thursday, February second, at seven p.m. And it will be broadcast on CBS Sports Network. So definitely go there if you want to check it out on Thursday. And then they head out to Charlotte, North Carolina, to take on the Charlotte 49ers on Saturday, February 4 at 4 p.m., which will also be broadcast on ESPN+. Plus. So best of luck to them, and hopefully they win both games so they continue to rise in the rankings of the AP Top 25 and the coaches' ball. So best of luck to them, and go, go team. And moving on from men's basketball, we have women's basketball, and unfortunately, their luck is just not as good as the men's at the moment, as they did take... Uh, on the road, a loss to Middle Tennessee, who was ranked 23rd, uh, 63 to 48th uh, last Thursday, and then fought hard against Western Kentucky, but came up short in a 66-65 defeat. So right now they have an 11-9 record. They're four and seven in conference play, and they're currently on a three-game losing streak. So, what do you guys think of the women's team at the moment? Because it's just not the best of things at the moment. Well, what I've said before was it just kind of seemed like we rely on one person each night to kind of get it done offensively. And it seems to be a reoccurring issue. Um, you know, I feel one of the things that they've really improved on is defensive efficiency and winning um, at the point of attack and rebounds. You know, we tend to out rebound a lot of teams, second chance points we are really effective at, at but in terms of just creating our own offensive chances, we need to get a little bit better in that regard. Um, as you can see, there's a lot of games this year, especially that we've lost by one point or less, or even overtime games that you feel like we could have put away if we just had a little more consistency on the offensive side of things. Um, but, you know, that's just how some years are. You know, sports are really hard to predict. Anything can kind of happen. And sometimes the ball just doesn't roll your way. But, you know, there's still – Time left in the season. You have plenty of conference games left to finish this out hard. Um, you know, we did get some rank uh, a ranked opponent 
go against a middle Tennessee. So that was some good exposure to see what quality competition looks like, especially in conference as well. Um, so with that being said, you know, it, it's tough to win on the road as well. You know, there's no guarantees when you're playing on the road. So to finally be back at home for these next two games against UAB and Charlotte, I think that'll be really important uh, to kind of get things back in motion for us. You know, they're winnable games. I've seen how well we can play. It's just whether or not we can play that level of basketball. Right. Uh, they've got to be better uh, in the clutch late in games. Um, Zach brought it up. Two of their, I think it's two of their past three have been decided by one point and they've lost uh, both of those. That's, you, you got to be better late in games. But the problem with that is just, it's not something you can just like pin your finger on and be like, this is our problem late in the games because, you know, situation varies uh, depending on the matchup. But they've got to be better late. They've got to continue to try to like spread the ball around and, more importantly, they've got to kind of like make these adjustments sooner rather than later because there is a plenty of basketball to be played. But at this point in the season, you want to be in your peak form or entering your peak form. And at the beginning of the year, it looked like kind of like a bounce back year for FAU women's basketball. And if it's going to end with that like same kind of sentiment, they've got to kind of write these things now. Um, but th there is basketball to be played. There is plenty of like formidable opponents that they have left to play. So they can write the ship. They just got to It's got to start now. Yeah, for, for sure. And if they really want to have a good standing in the conference USA tournament where they could have like a good playoff spot and face a better matchup, they have to win these games and they will continue their season with, of course, UAB on this Thursday at home as well as Saturday against Charlotte. Uh, both games on, uh, for Thursday, they start at 7 p.m. and on Saturday at 2 p.m. So hopefully they get these games at home, like defend their home court, let the fans be happy with the wins, and, you know, best of luck to them. And that will conclude our time with FU Sports. Now we head on to national sports, and we're going to look at the NFL. Uh, this past Sunday, uh, we had the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship, and one, wow, was very uneventful besides the Eagles just dominating the 49ers in convincing fashion, even though the 49ers had some pretty tough injuries, especially to Brock Purdy. Um, and then we look at the AFC Championship, which was a very entertaining game between, against, between Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes uh, as the Chiefs ultimately survived in a very close game uh, with a field goal, 23-20. to and some controversial calls came in the way, of course. And <laughs> the refs just love getting in the way somehow, even though I know I do know why. Like the the call that ultimately decided it, it's it's a very unfortunate call for the player who committed the penalty. If it, it's very sad, and it seems like he got injured in the process as well, he injured himself in the process as well. So it's it's very unfortunate to see that happen to him, uh, Joseph Osai. Um, it, it, very tough luck and hopefully he recovers from that and is better heading into next season but hey man um, I want to know your guys thoughts on the officiating throughout these ga these games especially the Chiefs Chiefs Bengals and what do you think the should be done to <laughs> make sure these type of calls just don't play that much of a role well first and foremost just on the game itself um, you know the Bengals already put themselves in a bad position when 
you take five sacks and throw two interceptions, you know, you're not in a place to really put yourself in a winning football manner. Um, and I'm not there to necessarily defend the Chiefs because I didn't really have a dog in this fight. But, you know, it's really upsetting to see a game boil down to that. And it didn't really necessarily come down to the last penalty call, but there were so many penalties throughout that game that were either blatantly missed or just felt like were thrown after the fact in order to benefit one team more than the other. And, you know, it's just really unsettling when you see a game boiled down like that because it really was a quality and competitive football uh, matchup between two teams. And for it to kind of end like that is just really upsetting. In terms of officiating, I, you know, the more we discuss it, the more I feel the change needs to be made that you have to start finding officials for blatant bad calls as well as um, interviewing officials post-game. You know, I've brought it up before about having refs sit down and explain themselves for why they make certain calls in certain situations. You know, if they can firmly say with 100% confidence that they saw something this way or that they made a mistake, I can completely agree with that. But even in the sense of like, let's say the NBA game, I know we'll touch on it later with the whole LeBron debacle. So I'll kind of save that for that segment. Yeah. But when you have a mess up such as that and the league immediately comes out and says, Oh, we messed up your apology means nothing. If it has no immediate like change or impact on what just occurred. Cause what you pretty much just told us was, yeah, you messed up and you are facing no repercussions for it. That means still going to official officiate more games in his career. He's probably going to make the same mistakes unless you change a rule here and there. Like there's, there's no fix. You just said that you were wrong and you're not willing to fix it. And that's completely terrible for a product. It's not good for a brand. It's not good for the consumers. And you know, it, it angers me because like I said, I didn't really have a dog in the fight and I still have a bad taste in my mouth from the game. So, I mean, that's just kind of how I feel about it. Obviously there may be other options down the road, but for now I'm just very disappointed from what I saw. Um. As far as the the game it, itself, I did like Zach, the Chiefs just weren't. Or excuse me, sorry, the Bengals just did, didn't really put themselves in like a position to win. They didn't play great football. You know, Joe Burrow wasn't a great performance after we had to sit here and listen to all his Twitter rah rah about him. Not to bring him down, he just didn't he didn't play well in this game. And which segues me into the officiating part, which is this this game in this season I don't think just came down to that flag on Joseph Osai there was 150,000 opportunities from this entire season what that the work went into back this time last year it doesn't boil down to one play there was so many opportunities in that game alone to put yourself in a position where it doesn't come down to one flag so to sit here and like sort of sit there and blame it all on like one play on Joseph Osai is wrong and He's yes, he's got to know better to not hit the quarterback, but it's also situational football. You can't stop, and it, it's it is a lame ending. But um, I don't think it all came down. But there, you guys are right. There's officiating's got to change somehow, some way. They've got to make him accountable. And he's right. Apologies mean apologies mean nothing when not only like it can happen. We know it's gonna happen again. We know like we it's that because it comes down it's every game we're talking about this something has to give and the nf at the nfl or sports leagues in general don't fix it the product is going to continue to get worse yeah and hopefully that 
the NFL takes on that issue heading into the offseason and addresses these ongoing issues, which has been pretty much been a long time coming. But, you know, and we have the Eagles and the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. It will happen on February 12th. Um, we will hold off on what we think will happen in the Super Bowl until next week. But this is pretty historic. We have two teams led by black quarterbacks, um, which is the very first time the Super Bowl has that, which is historically speaking, very big for the NFL when you always have like teams led by white quarterbacks. So having both teams uh, with Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, uh, both black quarterbacks is, is pretty quite historic and you know, it's definitely very something to be very proud of, especially for them, because they're making history, the two of them, for the two of them. So I'm going to know you guys' thoughts on how impactful this could be moving forward, for especially for the NFL, especially for black quarterbacks all ac across the country. You know, um, I feel like as we progress as a society, not only in football, but our sports are kind of always a reflection on where we are as a society. And for these two men, you know, outside of them being African-American, you know, they're exemplary leaders for their teams uh, and in their communities. You know, I've yet to hear anything bad said about either of these two guys. Um, most hate that is derived from media narratives just comes from outside things that they can't control. But, you know, they do a very good job of uh, just sticking to what they know and they don't really let anything affect them. Um, I, I feel like for Jalen Hurts, especially, you know, he comes from a very uh, – good background Patrick Mahomes as well but for Jalen Hurts more specifically I'm just more well known from his background with this whole story of Alabama and you know with his relationship uh, with his family and teammates you know he's exactly what a leader should be you know his teammates love him so I mean it just goes to show that you know we're growing as a culture especially in the aspect of football um, which is always good to see so I'm very happy in that sense that we get to see these two men represent for their communities um, especially at the biggest stage. Yeah, when I first saw that, like, stat that, or whatever you want to call it, that this is, like, the first Super Bowl where it's two black starting quarterbacks, I thought, like, there's no way, like, this is the first time. But um, it, I guess, and it's it's huge because um, as much as, like, you think of it, it's this is, like, like, the black quarterback is, like, kind of a pariah. You think that's, like, a problem 20 years ago? But it's really not because if you look around the league right now, quarterbacks, black quarterbacks still are like dealing with the effects of this. Look at Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, Kyler Murray. They get called running backs. They can't pass. They don't they can't like they don't have the mind for to like run an offense, whatever. All these BS takes. You'd think that's like something of like 20 years ago, but it's not. So seeing two at the uh, like the pinnacle of the sport is huge um so yeah it's, it's just awesome to see and no like you said no one is more deserving i think than jalen hurts especially with how he handled this situation at alabama um getting benched and then coming back and winning the sec championship for them no one's more deserving than than him so it, i'm glad to see it happening yeah i definitely agree and i would consider cam newton to be another one of those black quarterbacks who have been criticized for that aspect but hey no matter what, this is a very historic achievement for the NFL and for black quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and every in each and every one of them. So hopefully uh, heading into the Super Bowl, they put on a show to show that, hey, we cannot, we can also do this as well. 
And for our last topic of the day, we have the NBA. And as Zach mentioned, um, we are looking at a particular game, which of course involved the Lakers and Celtics, the LA Lakers and the Boston Celtics. As the Boston Celtics did beat the Lakers in overtime, it was quite close, but it was pretty clear the Celtics dominated overtime, especially Daniel Brown, who had masterclass after struggling against the Knicks, including missing some crucial free throws. And he responded in, in the best way possible, making his free throws at the right time and then making the clutch shots he did in overtime, especially from, especially from the three-point line. And of course, uh, it was a tie game before it went to overtime and the Lakers had the final, had the final shot. It was from LeBron James. He drove inside, uh, got, got fouled by Jason Tatum, but the refs did not call it. And we saw his reaction. Everybody saw it, like, jumping up and down, uh, like, screaming, at, like, where's my foul? And then we see him, you know, just go to the court, like, go to the court, like, the floor, go to the floor, just frustrated because – this is not the first time this has happened to the Lakers this season. It happened multiple times, cost them a lot of cost them multiple games. And following the loss, the NBA refs Twitter account said this. Like everyone else, referees make mistakes. We made one at the end of the game, and that is gut-wrenching for us. This play will weigh heavily and cause sleepless nights as we strive to be the best referees we can be. Three things. One. Sleepless nights is crazy. Two, imagine if the NFL did this as during the AFC championship game between the Chiefs and Bengals. And three, <laughs> uh, as you said, Zach, it don't mean anything that they apologize, and but nothing's done about it. Um, so I want to know your guys' thoughts. Uh, what do you guys think of <laughs> this um, of the of the reaction from the game from the officiating and whether the NBA can actually do something about it which we know they can it's just whether they want to do it and what do you guys think should be done <laughs> because this is the, like not the first time they did this to the Lakers this season but uh, as far as I'm counting five times and of course it happened to other teams in the NBA as well it's not just the Lakers unless they have an agenda against the Lakers to make it the plan I don't know but you know uh, so what do you guys think for the situation going on? You know, what's crazy to me is not only did we see the foul in real time, I think I got 47 different camera angles with the phantom cam 4k, like zoomed in like the most obvious, just evidence I could have ever imagined just right in front of my face. And yet officials can't go to the scores table and review because it's not like a reviewable play or a moment in time where they can review. I think um, one thing that, you know, we call it soccer in America, but the football does extremely well is the VAR system. I think it's incredibly useful. You know, it can be implemented at any point in the game where if they felt that a call wasn't made or needed to be changed, it could immediately go um, to an outside source to verify and it can be changed on the spot and it helps keeps the integrity of the game intact it doesn't necessarily slow down the game um, at all excuse me uh, and you know you help prevent issues like this you know and the apology they issued it was almost like a backhanded just like slap to the face it's like it's like what you like tell a girl if like you get caught cheating like you're like oh like oh it'll keep me up for many nights you know i'm really sorry Wait, about this like I, you know, 
I'm yeah, not like how many nights sleepless nights. Yeah, yeah, sleepless nights. Like, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll keep you up. This regular season moment sure gonna weigh on your soul. Like, <laughs> no, like, no, it won't. Like, I, I, I've seen this time and time again. Like, it's just incredibly infuriating. And you know, I, I get people's arguments saying like, oh, well, if this happened to any other team. Like, it wouldn't be a discussion like, well, guess what? You're right. But now that it's happening to a big market team, like, this is our chance to address the issue so it doesn't happen to smaller market teams. Like, this was on literally prime time Friday night. Like, the entire world is watching your product, and you, this is what you gave us. Like, as a Celtics fan, like, I wasn't even satisfied with the win because you just carry an at-risk ne next to it. And, yeah, I get, like, way down the road or in the future, like, no one's going to look back and say, oh, well, remember in 2023, 2022 season when – uh, they had this missed foul call to give them an extra win in the regular season. Like, obviously that's not going to matter, but for where it stands now, like that can be completely detrimental to a team in terms of momentum building. Like, you know, they get a win there, especially in overtime, like that can turn your season around for whatever point they're in. So, I mean, it's, it's just incredible infuriating. Like I said, another alternative fix is have the officials sit down and have to answer for their mistakes. Cause I'm sure I am sure the reporters would have had a field day on this squad uh, if they could just ask them one or two questions each. So, I mean, obviously there's a ton of possibilities they could fix this, but it's just which one are they going to take, which in my opinion I think is none because as per the NBA, they think they are perfect and will work on this internally, but obviously pose no actual um, ways to fix this. As far as the statement put out, um, I take that as they're saying like, yeah, we messed up, but do something about it. You can't like that. That's what that says to me. Like that, it just reads like a like a joke almost. Like that 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 doesn't seem like a real professional multi billion dollar conglomerate put out. That's that's insane. That they're like recognizing the problem and just saying do something about it. But I think Zach hit the nail on the head. Like how much the NBA fumbled their bag with like letting this game end like that because like we talked about this last week, like the regular season NBA product is like so watered down now that like all like the games that you think they'd market as like, this is the game you have to watch. This is game of the year almost end up being like a bunch of guys sitting due to load management or a 40 point blowout, whatever. This game is the greatest of all time. What not getting into that right now. Never mind. LeBron James versus uh, the leading MVP candidate. And it come down to it's tied at, 15 seconds in regulation and you let it have this lame ending like that that's fumbling the bag so bad and it's like we talk about bad officiating like all the time but this is like the most blatant like you saw the picture with the ref looking like directly at it and just it, it it's terrible like it's it's terrible that's all I gotta say about it uh uh, first off, Cameron, thanks for calling Jason Tatum the leading MVP candidate. I really appreciate that. <laughs> um, after after Jokic's performance on um, Saturday, I, I'm, I'm cool with that. You know, he let Embiid drop 48, you know, let Tatum have it. That's true. Um, but yeah, um, there were plenty of moments from that game. Uh, Pat Beverly doing a putback dunk, which is, which shocked everyone to the point that LeBron himself was shook. With the, <laughs> and then uh, after the refs did not call that foul on LeBron, Pat Bev bringing another moment to himself, um, just bringing a camera over to the ref, 
showing him that there was a foul and the ref proceeds to call on a technical foul. Um, uh, and then at the end of the game, LeBron just covering himself with a towel. <laughs> a lot of meme-worthy stuff, a lot of meme material is going to come from this game. And that we know for certain. But I will say, though, anyone acting like they wouldn't be making a big deal about that call is lying. Like, I think it was Chandler Parsons who got on Twitter and said something like, I wouldn't even act like that if my dog got ran over by a mailman. Yeah, I saw that. That, that's a crazy thing to say, first of all, but that's a lie because you definitely would be acting like that if a blatant call got like a, got missed like that in like one of the biggest games of the year. Like, stop acting. Yes, you would be acting like that. I mean, I'm not trying to just call out Chandler Parsons right now, but I mean, when's the last time that man played in like a super like dire game like in his career? Like, when's the last time he had the exactly a lot of like you couldn't. You couldn't be in that situation to be acting like that. Like, you're not good enough. Like, you wouldn't be acting like that. You couldn't act like that. Like, come on now. Uh, we're talking about the same Chandler Parsons that took a bag from the Dallas Mavericks and dipped. And dipped. So, <laughs> uh, like, he was one of the reasons why the NBA had this issue with giving role players big, bigger contracts than they actually, you know, like, they got overpaid to the point. Mike Conley, another example. But Chandler Parsons, he was one of the first players that started that issue. So um, he doesn't really have much to, ground to talk on, considering, uh, especially with the tweet as well. That That is insane to say about your dog. <laughs> um, and comparing that to LeBron's reaction to, as he was actually fouled. Um, but, yeah, it's just a crazy moment to think about it. And as we look back on it, you, you know, the refs, of course, mistakes happen, but that was a very bad mistake. And that should have been called on the spot because Tatum got all arm. He did not get any ball. He got all arm. I don't know how a ref could miss that. And I know like Lakers fans are mad about it and saying that that ref has a big record in favor of Boston 36 and two, but that was a, like, it's a fabricated record. It's actually like 49, 21, a little more fair in it so to say but a hey, um the, the refs have to be better there's no doubt about it we talk about suspensions fines or not suspensions like you're like you're not allowed to co you're not allowed to ref for this many number of games like to hey we need to improve our product and to do this we you need to take this sacrifice if you want to be good if you want to be good at officiating these games especially when their playoff situations on the line, especially with the Lakers. They are fighting for a playing spot, and this has happened five times to the Lakers. If that, those things didn't happen, they'd be a 500 team. They'd be in the play-in alongside Golden State, uh, Minnesota, and, all the, and, and the Pelicans who are on a big losing streak at the moment. But you get the point. Like These games are costing the Lakers games that would put them in the play-in or better yet, the playoffs. So it's an issue that really has to be addressed as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, I honestly think refs should have a relegation system. You know, if you have a certain amount of bad calls or if you're under a certain percentage and missed calls, like you should get relegated to the G League in terms of NBA. <laughs> like some, some G League officials to get the chance to come up and, you know, officiate some NBA games just to see where it stands. Um, another issue I think I see a lot within offic officiating throughout all leagues is, the average age 
of an official seems to be over the age of like 50 years old for some reason. Now, it could just be that they're just stressed out and they're looking older than what they actually are. Uh, that could play into it. I don't know. But, you know, what baseball has improved on that I like more is they're starting to bring in younger officials because their reaction time is better. You know, they're, they're able to make decision making on the fly and just they just seem to be more understanding where they currently are. I feel like the older you get, the more of an ego you get. You know, you kind of feel like you have this experience and maturity under your belt that gives you the right to act a certain way. And you can't be that as an official. And, you know, maybe I, I could be out of my element here. I don't know personally. This is just how I'm seeing it from a fan perspective, a consumer perspective, if you will, who's deciding to put my money into watching these games. So, I mean, I would like to see them be more either A, open about how they choose their officiating process. I would like to see how they pick and choose officials because I'm sure there's a bunch of people in the world that are talented enough and know the game of basketball that would like to apply for these positions, but that are just openly available. I don't even know how they select officials. Maybe they just walk up to any law firm and they're like, hey, how many NBA games did you watch last year? Do you want to learn the NBA rule book and officiate a game? Like, by all means, I, I think it'd be a lot more interesting to give other people a chance, you know, and you know, by opening up your pool, like the selected pool, you can narrow it down even in playoff times where you see the best officials throughout the entire year get to coach in the most, or not coach, but get to be a part of the most important games because you know that you can trust in them that they won't have a dire call that's going to completely affect the outcome. So I think those are some also possibilities that could help with the product that is the NBA, like Cameron said, because um, they are indeed fumbling the bag right now. And if they want to, contain with what they have is which is already in my opinion to build up what came said a mellow product you have load management which is an issue you're already playing 82 game seasons you have teams that are playing extremely well that don't even have national spotlight like there's just so many glaring issues that you should address but you're just i guess complacent because you're such a good product up to this point um that's just kind of how i see it it it's very annoying I, I like that you brought up, Zach, that you'd like to know about, like, the process of how they select refs because I don't want to – I don't know his name, but one of the refs that was on that crew for uh, Celtics-Lakers – this is Twitter information, so take it with a grain of salt – was, like, before he became a professional ref was, like, a police officer. With no disrespect to police officers, I'm just not sure, like, what exactly, like, translates from that job to, like, a – NBA ref I'm sure there has to be like perfect like professionals within the sport of basketball who are like can do a better job than this like there has to be somewhere out there there has to be a fix for this I'm and it has to be soon um because it's it's just it's blatant it's not like it's something that like there's an argument over there's no two sides to the issue everybody realizes this is a problem no matter what team you root for, whatever. Like, there, there's got to be a fix soon. Um, I'm pretty sure what you're trying to get at, Cameron, is, like, uh, not everyone can be a ref. Like, if you want to be a ref, you have to go through this long process of learning the rules the NBA has in place for the playbook, the rule book, and, you know, go through that process and be as effective as possible and be as accurate with the fouls you call throughout the game. And I completely understand that. And right. it has that type of process. It's just that it needs to be more, there needs to be more enforcement. Right. To make right. Like if it happened once, okay. No, like it can be a minor infraction, like a 
on the internet, that's fine. Like maybe a small, a very small fine, all, all of that. But if it's happening multiple times where it's costing team games, that that punishment needs to be more severe and needs to be carried out a little more often than it has to be. But yeah, that would be my stance on it. Yeah. With that, that'll be it for this episode of You Press Play Sports. Make sure to hit like and subscribe. Click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. Also be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me, at Rich26Pereira, for Cameron, at PriesterCameron, and for Zach, at ZachWatts1 underscore. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.